Jagarajan and welcome to the lead. The lead from Deccanal Podcasts brings to you voices from across the spectrum and various spheres of life. Today we are in conversation with Aishwarya Pise, the FIM Baja Rally World Cup winner and six-time national road racing and rally champion. As a 24-year-old dives into her introduction to the sport, undying love for adrenaline, passion for the great unknown, all things Dakar, and being a woman in a male-dominated sport. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Very good. Firstly, I'm extremely sorry about yesterday and uh, as well as a little late in joining today, I'm extremely sorry. Um, and yes. uh, you're doing well and uh, I, I hear you went to the hospital. Yeah. Oh, I just had some tests to run. It's not a problem. I'm not yet positive, so that's okay. Okay. <laughs> not yet being the operative. <laughs> okay. So, anyway. Yeah, um, okay. thank you. That's that's great. You look great too. I mean, uh, that that helps. Uh, so, small talk aside, I try to the big things. Um, I think the best way to go about this would be for you to tell me about how racing started. And um, you know, you, I think I read somewhere that you started when you were eighteen. And I'm just trying to figure mm-hmm. out get a gist of who you are as a person when you did start. What was the trigger? I did start riding motorcycles and training for racing at the age of 18. But then I think it started long before all of it. Uh, I think as a kid, uh, I would go on motorcycle rides with my dad and he would let me hold the throttle. And I think that was that was something that stuck with me over the years. But I definitely never thought that I would get into racing. And I think even when I was 10, I watched a MotoGP race on TV. And I, was, I really did have goosebumps watching them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, I didn't know that I would actually be riding or racing a motorcycle in, in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where this, uh, the stem of like um, racing or riding motorcycles started from. And when I turned 18 and I got my license, I started riding motorcycles as a hobby. Then I started training as a hobby. But then um, I started racing. I started doing well. And I think that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little about uh, Chase the Monsoon and Bond Burner. Uh, I, I'd suppose those were a little bit of a trigger point in your racing career. Definitely. I think the Bond Burner and the Saddle Saw were definitely uh, one of the few things that I tried on the street, which is when a few of the people suggested that if I really had the um, thrill of speed, I mean, if I really loved speed that much, I should probably take it to a racing track and train myself over there than trying to do these things. And I think that's the advice I took when I went to Apex Racing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that, that was my experience with the uh, Saddle Sword and Bun Burner. However, with um, Chase the Monsoon, I think it was one the most memorable ride that I have up until now as a as a uh, ride that I did for touring from all the way from Ranafkat to Cherapunji for about 24 days uh, and my best friend was on it and I think um, it, it gave me a taste of so many different terrains um, so many different experiences along the way so it was definitely a, a very nice experience mm-hmm. and I did read someplace that one of the Again, triggers, I suppose, a starting point for you was when you had to drop your friend someplace and you were weaving through traffic. So, uh, how, I mean, I, 
Yeah, but I mean, that's what I read in one of the reports recently. And uh, I don't know, maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Maybe what they reported was wrong. I'm not, not sure. Me, I guess. I okay, so that was me. just a figment of someone. No, it was you, though. It was about you. So I think it was a figment of someone's imagination. So I'll let them run, uh, run with that. Okay. I'll, I'll I know what, I'll send you the link by the end of this. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, then came the One Make Race Championship for Women. That was an opening of some sort, right? So tell me about that experience. I think my first year when I started racing, I started racing with the boys. I was doing the Group D uh, 165cc um, stock category with the boys. That's how racing started for me. I did not start with the women's category because it wasn't there. I think it all started in 2016 when the women's category was introduced. Um, first by Honda, then the following year by TBS. So I think I started with riding the uh, riding the um, the Group D with the boys, then the one make with the women in uh, 2015, 2016, which I won, and then 2017 was the TVS one make. Uh, these were the races in road racing per se that I was racing at. Mm -hmm. And they were definitely, um, so the Honda one make when I started, uh, the first race that I went, I failed miserably, though um, I was one of the person who had been training with Apex Racing Academy for a year. It was definitely, uh, <laughs> I think failure was not something that, uh, um, how do I put this? It was definitely one of the stepping stones towards getting better. Uh, not doing too well in that race, coming forth, uh, made me realize where I stand. And um, I went to my coach at Apex Racing at that time to uh, help me and probably work towards getting better. And that's how tw uh, 2016, I won the uh, one make at the women's category in Honda. And then um, I went on to participating in the Group D Nationals for Women in 2017 and the TVS One Make uh, uh, Championship for Women's. I think these were the two races also that I went on to winning in 2017. So this, this was the road, road racing aspect of my career. Um, however, I had also ventured into doing uh, rallying in 2016, um, December uh, from Dakshin Day. I think uh, that's where my off-roading uh, journey started, where I wanted to get into off-roading to get better with road racing. Because around the globe, you see this pattern of um, all the riders working on their off-road skills to be able to slide and control the bike better. So that's how I started riding off-roading. And it did help me with my career with road racing. However, um, I had already started riding road racing and rally together in 2016 and 17. So that's how my career with both road racing and rally uh, kind of took a shape. Mm -hmm. And in 2017, I went on to, uh, um, I think, the, uh, I went on to being associated with TVS Racing, which kind of changed um, the entire graph of my career. Right. So uh, when TVS did come calling, was it one, were you surprised? And two, did you think that was the moment when you made it and you could potentially think of this as a full-time career? TVS is like a dream team in India because they have been racing for the last 37 years and it has been one of the, um, when I started racing, I, I did look at women who were a part of TVS. I did look at all the racers who were a part of TVS and I aspired to be there someday. And when it came along, it was something um, that definitely did change the factor that it could become a, it could become a potential career. And I think that's what it did too. Mm -hmm. And uh, now you're more definitely more focused on off-road racing. And how? So sorry, can I add a little more to the last question oh, that you asked? Go on. Yes. So um, with not, it did not potentially. I mean, it definitely did potentially turn it into a career. But it, what it also did, it why it did make 
uh, potential career was because it gave me an opportunity to train um, full time like any other athlete around the world. And I think the support that I got from them or um, the planning and everything, making it a career was definitely one part of it. But then the support in terms of training, um, being able to have, uh, being, how do I put this? Having access to bikes and a track at all times to go train at was something that really added that, um, really, really added that boost to my career. Okay. I would say training every day is essential, and that that was something that came along with the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but along this way, I mean, I can imagine it being again. I've, I wanted to keep this for a little later, but I suppose we're at a good juncture right here. Um, being a woman racing can't be easy, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I've read enough of uh, your the, the stuff that you've spoken about this, and I just want to get your perspective on. And has it become easier? Has it become worse? Has, uh, how difficult has it been in and I mean, misogyny is very prevalent even outside the circuit. But on the circuit, I'm very intrigued as to what your take on it is. Sorry, that's just my theft. I have one sleeping here next to me. It's all right. right. Okay, so yeah, you were saying uh, with regards to misogyny and how difficult it's been as a woman to make it in this field. Well, it definitely hasn't been an easy journey because uh, when I started racing, I didn't have anybody to look up to uh, as a in our country that I could say that I wanted to be like her or I, I wanted to be able to achieve these things or I wanted to do that for me my benchmark was to look at all the men who were doing it and that's like for, uh, for example Arvind KP and CS Santosh at that point were doing Dakar um, and that was something that really caught my eye and that was something that I wanted to be able to do and which is what I progressed towards um, doing one by one like the World Cup last year and wanting to do more uh, races this year And I think what happened along the way was when I started in India, there were a lot of people who told me that this is not something that I could look at as full-time career. It should be something that I just do on weekends and just move on. But um, I think what I did was I did not let any of that real uh, really bother me. And I just focused on what I had as a goal for that year and the next year. And that's how I kept progressing. And I think uh, over the, over the time when I was focused towards what I wanted to do and I started achieving those goals. Um, When TVS came along and everything happened, things really changed. All these people who really said that I couldn't really uh, think of it as a career or look at it as a um, um, full-time sport was something that changed completely. And even today, it has, I wouldn't say it's different completely. But there are there there does exist this um, thing of how can someone be able to achieve so much or like um, this is this is a social stigma that I still get to face now here and there, but I think um, but I think that exists everywhere in every kind of sport and every kind of offbeat career that a pioneer or like being a pioneer in a sport like this is definitely not easy. And I think that's where it, it definitely doesn't disappear and it still does exist a little. Mm-hmm. However, um, with having the right team and having like a few people, a, a team in place, I would rather put it that way, like having a coach, a team in place and all of this really, really helps me stay away from all these negativity and focus on my goal and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was talking to Santosh yesterday. Was it yesterday? Was the day before? I'm not too sure. I speak to him quite frequently these days. Um, and he was telling me about how 
or rather I was mentioning to him that he lives a very dual life. You know, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be this badass, cool driver and writer and so on. And that mm-hmm. guy is quite, quite reticent as a person, very relaxed and very chill. So how is that for you? I mean, on the track, you have to be this aggressive person. And how are you mm-hmm. off of it? I think it's trying to find the fine balance to be able to be who you are off the track and be able to uh, be that person who wants to be that go-getter on, on the track. And, and I think it's just trying to find that fine balance. So I think I am a very silent person when it comes to being at a race track. I just put my headphones on and I think up until now, anybody who's seen me, they know that I'm with my headphones on before a race. And um, that's like my pre-race ritual, mm-hmm. uh, visualizing, listening to music. And off the track, I'm pretty much, a, mm, I am chitty chatty and I, I do get, a, I, I do like meeting people and getting to know people. And then, yeah, that, that's how I'm off track too. Yeah, but off the track, who is PSA? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if people know too well because you are the writer and it's very difficult to look past that fact, right? But off the track, who are you? What do you do? What's your, what's your guilty pleasure? What is it? Uh, what you said is absolutely true. People do always portray me as a racer as well. And I think the seriousness that I have during a race and the fact that I do not speak a lot when I'm at a race really impacts to the person that I am in my regular life. And I think um, what I actually do in my regular life is definitely, it's, it, it, ha- it revolves around a lot of training, so which is still a part of my racing. So the times that I'm not training or I'm not racing, I think I'm essentially... Um, Spending time with my family and my dog. And um, I'm also doing this undergrad course. At this point, I took up uh, took it up after seven years. And I'm doing uh, psychology, journalism, and literature. Mm-hmm. So I am occupied with doing that as well at these times. And I think that's that's what I do if I'm not racing. And I, yeah. The potentially be a journalist? Is that what you're trying to say? Possibly, but however, I I want I took it up because I want to become a sports psychologist. I mm-hmm. want to be able to do a little more with that. Being an athlete and being uh, uh having been worked with sports psychologists at this point and in the past, mm-hmm. I want it's it's an interesting topic for me that I want to explore. Right. Speaking of sports psychology, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, what athletes go through on a regular basis, and I think people laymen like me are very uh, find it very hard to understand the pressures that come with being an athlete as such. What are some of these things and how lonely or alone do you feel at times when you, no one else can possibly understand what you go through? How difficult is that? <laughs> I think that's day in, day out. And um, I think the higher you go, the more things that, um, the higher you go, not a lot of things that you could explain, explain or express to a lot of people. And I think that's where the part of the loneliness kind of uh, creeps in. But um, I think I like it because it lets it lets me perform at my best. It lets me work on myself. It lets me um, um, it lets me fight my own beings, if that's the right way to put it. And um, I think um, could you could you uh, say that question again? There was something when you asked me the question. There was something else that I wanted to add to it. Could you just uh, oh, with regards to how difficult it is, the pressures, and also being able to express these these pressures to people who don't really understand. I don't think I'll ever be able to put myself in your shoes and you know take in the pressure and also be able to execute this on a higher level and still hold your sanity in some sense. 
I think the only person I speak to with everything in that question that you just spoke about is my sports psychologist and his name is Mon and I think he is one of the only people uh, that I have been speaking about all these things that come under um, racing with I mean all the stress that it entails uh, not like you said truly no but not a lot of people could understand all the aspects of being able to handle pressure and being able to race and do all of these things and I think which is where essentially um, the sports psychologist comes into the uh, picture and also my coach um, at this point it's Jordi and uh, Nelly but otherwise um, it has been Jeeva in the past and Vishwas and there have been people in the past who, who have helped me move past um, or rather deal with the stress in in a in a way where my sanity remains intact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right let me get get away from the tough topic because that was a difficult one for you uh let me get into yeah. the fim world cup that you properly enjoyed so tell me more about the, the world cup and uh, that hungry leg in particular when um rita wasn't too far away right mm-hmm. tons of points and you had to pull something out and you did and uh, so tell me about that race tell me about the event altogether so for me, the entire FIM Baja World Cup in like the four races in total was like a, um, I started planning it. It all started in 2018 when I went for my first day in Baja and I had my accident and I was sitting in the hospital for a month. Um, and I saw the scoreboard for the 2018 season. That's when I realized, wait, oh, wow, that's like an entire championship. And I, I want to see how I, w- how, ca- how I can participate at it and get better from where I was this year in 2019. So that's where uh, I started planning the entire thing with my coach Jordi uh, in Spain. Uh, he told me that they have four rounds and uh, this is how it works and this is the budget we need. Um, when I, and I was planning all of this still sitting in the hospital that I want to be able to be at these races. So when it all came together, uh, racing not in India itself is expensive, but to be able to race outside is probably 10 times more than what it's here. So to be able to put uh, all the sponsors together, to be able to uh, achieve those goals, to be able to participate at that race and to go train there and to race in those conditions, which were completely new to me, um, was definitely a huge task. But I think all I told myself was that what, what was the goal that I had set? And even when uh, the competition was closed, um, Essentially, for me, it was about what the goal was and what I need to focus on and not let the stress get to me. And that's what I did. And that's how the Baja um, World Cup happened. Right. And, and then the Baja Aragon Rally. Uh, how different was that? Was it, was it the same? Was it different? Uh, it was definitely quite stressful because, um, because of the accident that I had had the previous year. Um, it was definitely a small mind block that I had to get over. But once I was over it, it was a lot better. Mm-hmm. But again, when you're, I mean, in your sport, you have to be addicted to adrenaline. Otherwise, it's not happening. Right. But there's a fine well, line between adrenaline and fear. Uh, when does that kick in? And I mean, it, you can come across, I mean, most racers can do very foolhardy things when they're riding, right? Because the adrenaline's kicked in and you're doing things. So how do you avoid from stepping over the edge and just doing something silly as opposed to just driving that fine line? I think it's to do with, uh, I think this is something we train on an everyday basis and it has to do with being at the moment and doing what's required there and not thinking, not thinking about what's happened in the past or not thinking about 
what might happen and i think that's the fine line it's about being there at the moment and i think being present is the key to that entire thing mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the answer to that so but i mean being in present doesn't necessarily mean you aren't planning the future as well right in the sense you still need not to well, the end okay okay well right mm. no well no. right that's not no. something that i so sorry no, no, do you not do you not think of the checkered flag as you're going through it or do you look at okay i know people who look at a marathon and say okay the end is very important but uh, from what you're saying it sounds like you're more focused on the journey and not so much the end uh i like i plan the start and the end before i get into the journey so which means like my planning and training um, is all focused on you know what my goal what, what do i want my goal to be how do i want it to be this is something that i've already thought and when i'm at the race track yes i do look at how i want to look at myself at the podium holding that trophy how i cross that checkered flag and um these are definitely things that i think about before the race not during the race mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. which is where um the fear doesn't creep in <laughs> during while i'm planning for these things mm-hmm. and that fine line of fear exists definitely when we think a little too much while we are riding but not uh, before or after right but have there been instances where you've slipped up and you know thought of either before or after and then it's resulted in something where you couldn't really get out of mm, not really no okay I well mean, you, you lucked like, out sorry you lucked out i said i mean lots of guys lots of drivers especially have gone through phases when they've you know sort of got complacent and let mm-hmm. the race happen and they've made several mistakes as a result of that and so definitely like i said right that part of the fear it definitely exists it it is how we address it how we are able to handle it like for example dealing with all these problems that we have in our training time is essential for us then holding on to it till we get to a race mm-hmm. and i think that's where it helped me to get better and like you said lucked out <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think that that that's where that entire thing happened in training when i could stay in my un- uh, uh, it's like my coach explains it in a way where there is the comfort zone and there is the uh, boundaries of this which is in between the comfort and the uncomfort zone mm-hmm. and so essentially in training we are either in the uncomfort or is completely in the uh, uncomfort zone which is why you know it's easy to be able to work on these fears or all these things mm-hmm. i see a little poster of dakar there and uh tell me about dakar the dream of dakar and uh that one right <laughs> there yeah and yes, uh, yeah that's, the that's dream the of dakar okay okay uh, tell me all about the vision board let's start with that actually and then we'll get to the dakar uh well i've always believed in something called as the law of attraction and that's something i've been following for a long time uh right now uh if i've been able to get to where i am today it's possibly it, it is definitely because i have had vision boards for the last few years and yes like you see dakars on my vision board here too and um so vision boards essentially for me are milestones that i want to achieve in a few years and also in the particular year and uh, the milestones i have achieved in the past year so this is what my vision board uh, entails and um i try to look at it every day in the morning and in the night so that i can remind myself um what is that i'm looking at and where i started where i am today and where i want to go so i think that's what it helps me with Okay uh then now on to Dakar tell me about Dakar what is your why is it the dream for all you off road people what is it about Dakar 
what is it it's like the olympics it's like the okay. world it, it's like the championship that all the best riders ride at and that's mm-hmm. pretty much i think why everybody wants to be there mm-hmm. i'm i am definitely not ready for it yet but i am training to be there so it is definitely a dream for all the rally riders to be able to be there someday right i mean despite the fact that it's uh, probably the only rally where more people die right it, it is there is that element of risk with the dakar but uh, I, i can yeah of course there is that sense of uh, pride and uh, a spirit of adventure when it comes to the dakar i agree but you know i was talking, again santosh he was telling me the other day that every year he's competed he's come back saying i'm not going back again right so how do you train for something like that again from your personal perspective how do you train for a dakar it's a 9000 kilometers of madness so how do you train for it i haven't ridden it yet so i know i know i'm just saying in terms of training what would you do mentally to prepare for that and physically to train for that what would you need to be there i think what i would need is to be able to train every day in terrains like that be able to ride at least hundreds of kilometers every day uh, have a proper training schedule in place and and i think that's pretty much what will make me mentally and physically tough when i'm to uh, when i get more used uh, when i ride more and more on surfaces such as the race so i think that's what i need and i think that's that's what i heard all the riders say that they need to and mm-hmm. yeah i think that's 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 what the sense right uh, and as someone who's a purveyor of uh, racing in india it's such a difficult space to be because sponsors aren't easy to come through you know that's a big big deal especially to drive in to ride in dakar you need a lot mm-hmm. of money and you need a lot of sponsors so how do you how difficult is it being a racer in india to find these sponsors i mean of course tvs is on your end but it's still you still need a lot more right and how difficult is it to find sponsorships and so on and so forth and how do you go about it um i think it's more of a holistic approach and it hasn't been easy i have had to probably uh <laughs> had to wait in offices to actually meet the concerned person to be able to get things rolling and um lot not a lot of uh companies or sponsors understand what motorsports is to be able to sell the idea of this dream in motorsports the achievement that we've been able to achieve for india and even when i was uh, approaching sponsors to get uh, for the world cup it was more about the idea it's about being able to be the best <laughs> uh, marketing person out there or the sales person out there to be able to explain what it is why it's important and what they could get out of it and i think um it isn't an easy task it isn't as easy as it's for cricket or badminton mm-hmm. or anything to do with olympics it's, it hasn't been easy at all but definitely um with like you said tvs on my side it has uh, really helped a lot uh, with my training and which 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 takes care of most part of my things so mm-hmm. i think which is where it's really essential to have at least a team like tvs to be behind me mm-hmm. i think the last one would be what's the future what's the future actually 5 years from now what do you want to be doing what do you want to be looking down at i want to be in dakar okay. <laughs> i want to be is that the be... is that the ultimate goal though i mean dakar in that's it no definitely not that's being a dakar is one thing being able to perform in uh place well is another so i think just getting to the league is not enough but then staying there being able to win whatever uh, win in the respective stuff is is going to be the ne- next task mm-hmm. and that's going to take some time so definitely i have that 10 years in my uh, yeah. i said right now 
All right, that's that's good, man. That was really good. Thank you so much for making the effort. And I, I don't know what happened to your phone, but I mean, thank you so much. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, so sorry. that's not a problem. No, but you made the effort and thank you so much. And Piyush as well, man. I mean, I can't see you right now, but thank you so much for the effort. And uh, this has been perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Roshan. Well, that's it for today. Tune in this evening on our news update podcast from the newsroom to catch all the exciting developments of the day. For latest news and updates, log on to www.deckandherald.com. Check out our e-paper, www.deckandheraldepaper.com. To read news on the go, sign up to our Telegram channel, t.me slash deckandheraldnews. Download the all-new Deckandherald app, a personalized news feed, Insta story style news highlights. Download the app from the Google Play Store and Apple App Store. Link for the app will be available in the show notes. Thank you.